success now on the technology. And um, um, I'm going to take just a second to introduce our first, uh, this is our first attempt to have three generations of a family uh, lead in breakfast. Last month, uh, Charlie and Allegheno, those are two generations. So we figured the only way to top that was to go for three generations. Fortunately, it aligned um, a new staff here at the church. And so um, it was a great opportunity to invite the quarter family uh, to lead. Now, Ethan, did uh, did you have an order of uh, of uh, speaking that would let one introduce the next one? I figure going, you know, from from eldest to youngest might make uh, chronological sense. Yeah, I can do that. I'll give a bit of history of the family. And the all right. Well, I appreciate all the technology uh, hubbub. I'm going to probably mute everybody for the three quarter a little while, and eventually we'll have a whole dollar. And uh, then we'll have some uh, breakout sessions maybe at the end of time. So thanks, everybody, for being here. Try and reopen the, the church. And uh, we got hot breakfast this morning. And I hope everybody at home is enjoying some coffee. And uh, we'll have an opportunity here to get to know one of the families of our church. So with no more introduction from me, let me introduce uh, Steve Quarter Sr., or the, the original, however that goes. All right. Uh, I guess we may have missed it. Rusty, could we impose on you to open with prayer? Absolutely. Lord, us together with you, even though we might, Lord, we um, ask it, Lord, that we're uh, we're attempting to be faithful to you. Lord, we ask, we thank you for the quarters this morning, for them being able, willing to share and um, and tell us a bit about the their relationship with the church, that maybe our relationship may grow even stronger. We thank you for the food that you provided. And uh, we ask now that your blessing go with us, that we may be found faithful to you at the end of this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. Uh, I'm Steve Corder. As uh, Eric said, I'm the elder of the three that are here today. Stephen, my son, is here. And then Ethan, Stephen's son, my grandson, will uh, follow up and give the bulk of the message, we hope. I, I joined the church 55 years ago. I came, moved here with my mother, father, and three sisters. And we all joined in May of 65 and have uh, been a member ever since. When, when I joined the church, the uh, physical facilities were very different from what they are today. And some of you have been around long enough to see the changes. And we had a relatively small wooden church where the chapel is today, where the B building is, the um, parlor and the offices, there was a, an associate pastor's residence there, a parsonage. There was a, um, three houses on Pratt Street. Two were where the green is today, and one is still there, which is your scout, scout hut and uh, some other activity, of course. The church also owned a parsonage on Spring Drive, which is where the senior pastor lived up through, I believe, up through Malone. And after, uh, after Malone, we, um, church had started handling the housing for the senior pastor differently. That might have been the tradition when many of us were young, where the church typically owned a parsonage. I, uh, through the years, I was president of the MYF in the uh, mid to late 60s and was at that time, we had a pretty active United Methodist men's group in the uh, through the 70s and into the mid-80s, probably. And I was president of that a couple of times through, uh, through the years. And as our sons came along, Stephen and Adam, we were 
kind of adamant they be involved in the church and go to Sunday school. So my wife, Cindy, and I collected Sunday school money to ensure that we were there every and we did that for 17 years. And by that time, the boys were grown. And uh, when we retired from that, Malone was still the, uh, the senior pastor of the church. And we, uh, from that point forward, didn't have a specific job that went on for, uh, for the long term. Mm-hmm. So as Stephen came along, he'll, I'll turn it over to him now, and he can tell you a little bit of the history during his era. And uh, then in turn, he can introduce his son, son, Ethan. All right. Well, thanks, Dad. Uh, gentlemen, can you hear or see me okay? Yes. All right. Great. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, I, I just want to say, first of all, it makes me happy to see people in the church. Um, of course, I'm there remotely, as are uh, certainly others, but I know an actual service, uh, actual services have started back. Um, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, is, is a good thing with everything that's happened over the past, uh, few months. So it's nice to see men back in the room. Um, I did text Ethan, you know, whenever we have an IT question, we, we usually go to Ethan. He's of the age and generation that, that can answer most of those. And I asked if the bacon would arrive through the zoom, cause I don't have any bacon here. So, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm looking for that still, but but I did just want to say welcome. Thank you, Eric, and, and everyone for taking the time this morning. I think it's a, a neat concept, uh, certainly to have uh, generations of family speak in any context, so we're happy to be here. Uh, as my dad said, RUMC really was a part of, um, just really a part of our lives uh, growing up as early as I can remember. Um, saw a lot of growth and change in the church, but um, interestingly, from as early as I can remember to how old I am now, 52, it's also seemed a a lot the same uh, in in a lot of ways, which I think is one of the the good things about a church uh, family. There's a sense of consistency. So with everything going on, and I had just written down a couple things, one of the words that came to me was uh, in times of change, and, and certainly we've had that uh, as a community, as a country over the past uh, several months with obviously everything going on, and uh, I, I'm thankful for the church to be a, a consistent factor. Um, you know, speaking of generations of family, and we're, we're blessed and fortunate, of course, to, uh, for all of us to be here, uh, whether through Zoom or otherwise. But I think extended family, as I get a little bit older, uh, you know, family is not always exclusively uh, just your bloodline. It can be groups like this. Uh, it can be a church. It can be the different uh, groups associated through a church. And so um, from a very young age, again, going to men's breakfast, men's club breakfast meetings, um, <clears throat> it's been a part of, uh, certainly a part of, of my life something I'm very thankful for. Um, Just by way of some real quick background for me, um, as my dad mentioned, um, he's been with the church for 55 years. I went through confirmation at RUMC, uh, was confirmed in the the chapel, uh, certainly was there when the new uh, sanctuary was was built and has seen a lot of growth. But Again, thankful for the things that remain the same and this group being one of them. But before I turn it over to Ethan, um, 
you know, as a father, certainly I'm very proud. I know uh, my dad, his grandfather as well. Um, we, we kept the kids in, in church as well. We moved three times uh, with, with company moves. I'm sure many of you can appreciate that. And so at, at a young age, the kids, uh, we did go to RUMC, but then we also lived in Indiana and went to a, uh, a, a big church there uh, in Pennsylvania. We uh, attended a couple different churches there. Um, so I think that the kids have seen, a, and Ethan can speak to this from his own perspective, have seen a little bit of a variety of different church uh, environments and families. Um, but I can certainly say that RUMC has always felt like uh, a piece of home. Um, let go of that arrogance, do you? And I won't steal any of Ethan's thunder in terms of his story and sort of how he has uh, arrived at where he is today and uh, where he may be going, but I'll uh, give him a chance to speak to that. But but very happy to be with uh, you gentlemen this morning, uh, remotely or otherwise, and look forward to seeing you again in person soon. But I'll hand it over to Ethan and give him a chance to talk. I believe he's uh, dialing in from Tennessee today. Is that right, Ethan? Yeah, thanks, Dad. Um, <clears throat> thank you guys for, for having us uh, come speak with y'all. Unfortunately, couldn't be there. Um, my fiance and I got a chance to go up to um, her parents' uh, place in Crossville, Tennessee, uh, for a few days, which we, we couldn't pass up. We're getting married in uh, four weeks from today, actually. So we needed a couple uh, days off. Um, so, so we came up here and we've been relaxing. But um, yeah, thank you all for, for setting this up and inviting us to come speak. I'm excited to just to talk a little bit about, um, you know, how I got to where I am as, as a seminary student and an intern at RUMC. Um, and also the name, my name from my grandpa has always been Adas since I've been very little. So if, if you hear that, that's who I'm referring to. It would feel weird for me to call him grandpa or Steve or something. That would just be weird. So if you hear Adas, that's who I'm talking about. Um, yeah, so thanks guys. Um, uh, my name's Ethan Corder. Um, I'm a second year student in the uh, Masters of Divinity program at uh, Candler School of Theology at Emory. Um, and right now I'm serving uh, basically an internship at RUMC through uh, the remainder of this academic year. I've been in an internship capacity at RUMC uh, since about August. Um, yeah, so I turned 25 a few weeks ago, uh, born and raised here in Roswell. Um, as my dad said, we moved around a little bit. Um, when I was, when I was younger, we moved to Pennsylvania, uh, when I was about seven and then Indiana when I was 10 and back to Roswell a few years after that. Um, but some of y'all may know my, my dad or my grandpa, his family, um, and either of y'all correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. Um, but my dad's grandparents grew up in what is now the pickle pickle on Canton street. And um, dad or Ada, y'all tell me, what was the house that uh, Granny lived next to uh, growing up that is, that's still there, but her house is, is gone now? Well, Ethan's grandparents lived in what is the olive oil shop, the first house on Canton Street after you come out of downtown. And his maternal great-grandmother lived in the Minton house, which is right behind that, the brick house where Bob Hagen's office is now and then as ethan said the other grandmother on his on cindy's side lived in what is now the fickle pickle it was the uh 
blue Victorian house further down Kenton Street. So her family actually is uh, generations of the Roswell area, Canton and coming south to Roswell. Her parents and grandparents all were living in Roswell from the uh, early 1900s on. So her family really has quite a history with Roswell. Far, and it goes far, much farther back than mine does. As I said earlier, we moved to Roswell in 1965, and there were about 3,000 people at that point. There was one traffic light at Oak Street and Highway 9, which for years was the corner of the Krispy Kreme donut shop. Yep. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Um, so, yeah, we've, you know, I, I've got some roots down in Roswell. Roswell is definitely home to me. Um, and it's been, it's been interesting to watch it grow up even since I've been alive. Um, so I graduated from, from Roswell High School in 2014, uh, went to Georgia Southern for my undergrad. Uh, and up until that point, I mean, growing up, like my dad said, we, I grew up in the church, um, you know, Sunday services, Wednesday night church dinners. And that was pretty much a constant, even throughout our big moves that we made uh, across states. We were always involved with church and had a church to go to. Um, but I, it wasn't really something that took up a lot of my, um, my interest. I didn't have a, a huge stake in going to church or, or faith or anything like that. I mean, I don't know if, it, if that's that odd for, for a kid growing up to not really, you know, be that invested in church, but I wasn't um, up through, you know, high school, college, I was much more interested with just hanging out with friends and, you know, drinking, partying, hopefully <laughs> get, getting some girls to, you know, to come over. That was pretty much my wheelhouse up through, I don't know, 20 or 20 years old or so. Um, so my, my entire life philosophy, uh, sort of growing up was was fake it till you make it. I know a lot of y'all probably heard that before, but basically the idea is like if if you're not fitting in with with the group you want to fit in with, you know, just just fake it until you do. Um, and that was sort of the the way I lived my life for a long time. Um, I, I had a hard time growing up feeling like I like I fit in with with the people that I wanted to fit in with. Um, so you know, the way I tried to solve this was, was really just to try to be someone I wasn't. Um, my thinking was that it, you know, must've been my fault. I wasn't fitting in with, with these people. It wasn't anything wrong with them, with the people I wanted to fit in with. Um, it just was, I, you know, I wasn't cool enough or whatever. So I, I faked it until I, I thought I made, um, and I, you know, acted like whoever, you know, I, I thought these people wanted me to be. Uh, and that didn't really stop once I graduated from high school and moved on to college. Um, I sort of just went with the social flow, if you will. Um, once I got to college, uh, I, I pledged my first semester for Kappa Sigma at, at Georgia Southern, you know, which is ultimately something I'm, I'm glad I did. Um, but looking back, I can see it as, as just another step, you know, on the fake it till you make it a trail, right? So lots of, lots of drinking, lots of partying other stuff, um, lots of people that I, you know, I didn't really enjoy spending time with, um, but for all intents and purposes were my friends, uh, but I didn't really like them that much. You know, it's not good when you don't really like your friends. Um, but I remember one day my sophomore year after I had, had pledged first half of my freshman year and spent the second half of my freshman year drunk, basically, um, I was was brought to my to my knees literally um one morning in the backyard of the house i was i was living in uh this year at, at southern 
with the realization that I, I wasn't happy. Um, I was on the phone with my parents and I, you know, came to the realization that whatever it was that I was doing, uh, the path that I was on, the people that I spent time with, people that I called friends, at the end of the day, none of it made me happy. Um, and, and this was painful to realize this, uh, but it was a realization that I needed to have. Um, and, you know, thank God I had it as early as, early as I did. Uh, you know, so of course, God knew that this wasn't the right path for me. God knew this wasn't who I was a long time before I wanted to come to terms with it. Right? Um, and unbeknownst to me, sort of behind the scenes was, was introducing some really great people into my life when, it, when I needed them. You know, of course, it wasn't an overnight thing, um, but I got involved with uh, Crew, which is called, uh, no, it used to be called Campus Crusades for Christ, now called Crew, um, and that's been on college campuses for a long time, I think. Um, got to know some people through that, joined a few Bible studies and small groups in Statesboro, um, spent more time, you know, with those people, um, a few friends from, from my, from, from the fraternity and I started a Bible study at our fraternity house, um, which as far as I know, uh, is still something that's going on at the fraternity. Um, so gradually, you know, <clears throat> the trajectory of my life changed. I was starting to move out of this phase of, you know, crazy party guy which i thought i was what i was trying to be um i was moving out of that phase spending less time doing things i didn't want to do less time spent with people i didn't really want to spend time with anymore people that weren't influencing me in the right direction i don't think um spent more time with people i did want to spend time with and i became you know more and more the person that i had uh forgotten i, w I really was so this was sort of the beginning of you know figuring out who I was and, and what I wanted to do, what I was interested in. Give me one second and take a sip of water. <coughs> All right. Um, you know, I'm 25 now, so that I would have been 20 or so at this point. Um, looking back now, it's, it's really easy to see how God's hand was moving in my life um, and sort of nudging me in the right direction. Uh, as I transitioned out of this first phase of a party, everything like that, um, it seemed that all the right things that needed to happen to ease the transition into the next stage of my life did happen. Um, so I got involved with Bible study. As I said, I got to know, um, a guy named Nick in Statesboro who ran the Greek ministry side of things for crew. Um, and I was able to get involved with, with some Bible studies, um, you know, and as that happened, some of the some of the people that I spent time with started falling off because, you know, if I was the Bible study guy, people were sort of hesitant to come and spend time with you. They thought that you might try to, you know, convert them or preach to them or, you know, uh, do a confessional with them or something. So people were sort of like hesitant to come spend time at the Bible study or talk to me because I thought I was like basically a Jesus freak is, is what I amounted to in the eyes of some of these some of these guys uh, that I was going to school with. But I wanted people to know that you didn't have to be, you know, quote unquote, a good person uh, to come to the Bible studies that were that we were putting on. Um, I knew the mentality was that, you know, oh, if if I went out last night and I got drunk and I went home with some uh, some chick, then there's no way I can walk into Bible study the next day. Um, everybody's going to be able to tell I'm a bad person or, you know, God's going to smite me or something if I try to touch a Bible. 
Um, and I knew that was the mentality that, that a lot of these guys had because that was the way I thought about it for a long time. You know, I thought unless I changed who I was and changed my life and started doing the right things, then it wouldn't be right for me to go to a Bible study and try to get to know Jesus, right? Um, in reality, uh, as we know, Jesus wants you to come to him as you are. Um, you don't need to change your life in order to approach Jesus. Your life is changed when you do approach Jesus. And this was the message that I, I wanted, first of all, my, myself to understand, um, and then, you know, other people in the community to understand so that they could come get involved with the Bible study. Um, and again, this wasn't something that happened overnight. Um, we had some small success at the beginning. We might have 15 or 20 guys come into the Bible study. Doesn't seem like a lot, um, but, you know, when, when you're sort of in the lion's den uh, on, on Greek Row in Statesboro, Georgia, you take what you can get. And if that's 15 or 20 guys coming to a Bible study, then we took what we can get and we, we tried to, to speak to those guys and, you know, send them out um, uh, with a positive message and hopefully change their mentality a little bit and see them come back uh, in the weeks, uh, weeks after that. Uh, so as I spent more and more time in these Bible studies, uh, more and more time with people that I saw as positive influences in my life, uh, I made the decision to sit down and, and read the Bible. You know, uh, as my dad said, we grew up in the church. Um, to me, growing up in Roswell in the South, that was always just sort of a given. You went to church um, and it was always something I enjoyed, you know, going to Wednesday night church dinners, meeting the people that we did. It was it was always something I liked. But it just didn't really connect with me that much. Um, I would go to Sunday school, knew the stories, burning bush, right? Water into wine, feeding of the 5,000. I knew all these, these basic stories, but they didn't really, didn't really, um, uh, you know, uh, make it make a huge impact on me. I knew them. They were part of my life, but it wasn't something I was, I was interested in. Um, but my mentality uh, was that with how fickle humankind is um how quickly people move on from one thing to the next the fact that the bible has been around for as long as it has and there are still people trying to figure it out still people spending their whole lives reading it and getting to know it and and and, and uh understand it then there has to be something there right i mean it can't just be like, something just doesn't stick around for that long without there being something there so that was like step one for me um, so I sat down in Statesboro and decided to read the Bible. Um, and I thought, well, I'll start with the new Testament. That's the good stuff, right? That's the important stuff. Um, and I knew the general story, you know, we, we sin. So God sent you to be sacrificed to make up for our sin. And now we can be in a relationship with God. I seem to know the general story. Um, but the more I dug into the texts of the new Testament, the more I, I read the Bible, the more I realized I didn't know. Um, what I, what I read was surprising me, uh, at every point of the way, the stories weren't exactly how I remembered them from Sunday school. Uh, they seemed a lot more nuanced and true to my life experience than I, than I remembered them. But the biggest surprise and maybe roadblock for me was how often I was left confused when I read the new Testament. So this wasn't confusion at the message that Jesus was proclaiming. I thought that seemed pretty clear cut. I understood that. Um, I wasn't confused at the gospel that Paul was spreading. 
Um, but I was confused at many of the historical references being made in the New Testament, oftentimes, most times Jewish historical references. Um, and it seemed like I was missing a part of the story. So when I would come up with one of the, you know, I, when I would come upon one of these references in the New Testament, I would be prompted to turn back to Isaiah or Psalms or Genesis, um, books that I had assumed didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. You know, it's the Old Testament, but we've got the New Testament and we've got Jesus in the New Testament. He's not in the Old Testament. So really just stick to the New Testament, right? I mean, that's the important stuff. That's the good stuff. New is better than old. So you can probably just forget about the Old Testament. Um, but that didn't really work. As you can imagine, um, I came to the conclusion that if I didn't at least have some sort of understanding um, of the Old Testament, I wouldn't really be able to understand the Bible the way I want it to. Um, and maybe I've got a little bit, you know, um, of an obsessive bent towards understanding things. If there's one little like snippet or verse that isn't making sense to me, I, I have to understand that or the whole thing sort of falls apart. Um, so, you know, I, I would turn back to the Old Testament and I would read it or try to. Um, and I could get maybe through Genesis or Exodus once I got to Leviticus or Numbers and they have the genealogies, by that point, I was pretty much lost completely. Um, hopefully some of you can attest to that. It gets a little confusing there. Um, so I thought I needed some sort of guide to this, right? Uh, I enrolled in a few uh, religious studies, biblical studies courses at, at Georgia Southern. Um, thankfully had some, some great professors um, who were able to frame the Old Testament in a way that made it a little bit easier to understand, not easy to understand, but a little bit easier to understand. Um, the genealogies and the law codes, which, you know, had, had so puzzled me and didn't seem to make any sense. Now uh, they started to fit into place. Eventually I could see, I could understand their inclusion in the New Testament. So I could see some of this continuity between the Old Testament and the New, New, and the New Testament starting to line up. Um, again, not an overnight thing, something that I still don't completely understand, um, probably ne never will completely understand, but it's still something that I struggle with and work on, um, the story of the Old Testament and its connection to the New Testament. Um, but I think this initial interest sort of led to one of my big historical interests, which is how Christianity um, formed out of the wake of, of Jesus and out of Judaism and what that would have looked like as a movement out of Judaism. Um, I don't know if that's something that's interesting to any, anybody else, um, but that's something that's interesting to me. And, you know, as I'll get to at the end, I'm here for um, another year or so. Well, not, not a year, but another six or seven months or so. So I'm willing to, you know, come speak to any small groups or anything like that. Um, so I had found biblical studies. I'd found Bible studies. I'd found, found religious studies courses. And finally, like literally for the first time in my life, I felt like I belonged there. Like I felt at home there. It felt comfortable and natural. Um, I enjoyed sitting around with a bunch of nerds in class and talking about the Bible. That was fun to me. Um, sussing out these theories. Um, it was fun. Like we're doing now. I like talking about the Bible. Um, I fell in with some great people who encouraged me to grow in my faith and to pursue religious studies, theological studies. And I felt like I was growing in the right direction. Um, I would be remiss not to mention, you know, probably the most significant part of my spiritual growth during this time was when I met 
uh, Emily, my fiance, uh, like I said, we're getting married a month from today. So prayers, wishes, I'm soliciting advice. If you have any advice, send that over to me. Um, we met each other at a time when we were both, like I said, transitioning out of our crazy party phase. Um, and I knew we were both looking for something more. So we met each other um, at the perfect time to, to really push each other in the right direction. And I think we have ever since, almost four years later, since we've met um, and the wedding is just around the corner. So very excited. Um, so it was sort of the confluence of all of these um, positive influences in my life uh, that pushed me to want to further pursue theological studies. I was uh, getting ready to graduate from Georgia Southern, uh, applying to seminary. I was ready to go. Good to go. Couldn't wait. I was done with my undergrad. I was moving on to graduate school. All right. I was I was ready. Uh, and that was my plan. I was you know, pretty happy with where I was at. I had my plan set out perfectly before me. You know, I could see the steps I needed to take. I was comfortable. One maybe even could say content. Right. And I've heard the joke before that if you want to make God laugh, plan. And I think that is the case uh, because I was planning hard. And uh, then I got arrested uh, in college. And ultimately, it didn't really amount to much more than, you know, a drunken indiscretion, uh, which I'm sure no one in, in this room has ever had anything like that before. Um, but it threw a major wrench into my plans. Um, and more importantly, uh, made me consider where I was at, where I really was at, what I was interested in doing, what my priorities were. Um, did I care about going out and getting drunk in an environment? Uh, where I knew I, I didn't really belong anymore. Because uh, if I did care about that, this is where it would, would get me, right? Sitting in jail on stage. <laughs> okay. And um, as, as painful as that experience was, and my dad and grandpa can attest to the uh, financial uh, uh, pain it caused, um, I think it did happen at the right time. You know, it's easy to look back with... Uh, uh, in retrospect and say, oh, that was the right thing that happened. But I think it was. Uh, it caused me to uh, refocus on my goals, going to seminary, um, rededicate myself to them. Um, most significantly at the time, it gave me a new perspective on the criminal justice system, um, how vulnerable the people inside of it were, uh, how significantly money and connections uh, influence the success you might have in that system. Um, but most importantly, how dire the need for God's word was there. So that's an area that I'm still interested in prison ministry. Um, but more broadly, I think this introduced me to wanting to connect um, scripture and the gospel within scripture, uh, connect that to people in a real way. Because sitting in a uh, jail cell in Statesboro, that's pretty real. Um, and any misconceptions you might have about, um, you know, uh, going out and introducing the gospel into the world, so sort of these flowery ideas, uh, those are sort of thrown out the window when you get to that point and you think about how can I really speak to people in a way that they're going to listen um, and, and can apply that to their real life. Um, so, you know, while I'm not as fired up about prison ministry as I once was, I'm still very much interested in connecting people um, to scripture 
um, and giving people an opportunity in an environment to voice these questions they might have. Um, and in my view of it, there's a, there's a lack of good engaging religious education in this country. If you're not in a, a private Catholic school or something like that, chances are you're, you're not going to be um, receiving probably adequate religious education. So what I'm interested in is uh, bridging the gap between the, the type of education that's offered in something like a seminary and all the people of faith, uh, all the people sitting in church pews or not, people, people that are of faith outside of the seminary. Um, so I'm sure a lot of the gentlemen in this room right now have been um, sitting in church pews and reading the Bible for 50, 60 years, uh, longer in some cases, I don't know. Um, and I know that a lot of people have the exact same questions that I do. You know, I'm fortunate enough to be able to go to seminary, you know, financially, and um, I, I don't have really a professional career to speak of. So I didn't have to drop anything to, to, to go to this. Um, but a lot of people, you know, can't drop everything and go for a three-year degree and, and learn about the Bible in the way that they want to. So I want to I fill that void. And I want to create an environment where people can talk about um, the historical aspects of the Bible, theological aspects of the Bible, um, cultural aspects of the Bible, um, real questions that people have, um, you know, and are hungry to have answered. Um, so whether that looks like designing curriculum um, to um, use in schools and churches to talk about the Bible, um, whether that looks like working in a university setting or, um, you know, working at a private high school. I don't, I don't know exactly what this is going to look like yet, um, but that is the area that I'm interested in growing. Religious education broadly is, is where I want to go. Um, and thankfully, I've been able to um, explore that this year as an intern at RUMC. I know I've spoken with the Bereans already about some of the same stuff. I'm speaking with the uh, Discovery Bible Study Group in December, um, and I am here uh, through next March. Um, so if any of you um, would like me to come uh, to a Bible study or a small group, maybe just listen and just be there, be a part of the conversation, or if you'd like me to come speak or anything like that, um, please let me know reach out. I'll make sure everyone has my uh, cell phone number, email, everything like that, because I want to be a, as, as involved as I can be um, when I'm here as an intern. Um, so, you know, there's, there's really not a whole lot else I have to talk about. Um, if anyone has any questions for me or observations or similar stories that they can attest to growing up, um, I'd love to, to hear from y'all. But again, just thank you for for letting us come and speak um, and getting uh, looking forward to, to seeing some of y'all in person and getting to know you further. Well, Ethan, thank you so much for uh, being uh, the latest in a, a generational tradition of really of, of being involved at RUMC. It's great to have you back as an intern. Um, what I'd like to do is break us, break us out into breakout session. If those of you were on Zoom, you've done, hopefully done this, you'll be basically four or five people to a group give you an opportunity to share prayer concerns and celebration. We'll come back together in about five minutes and uh, we'll share those concerns. And I'll uh, ask Ethan to uh, uh, close us out with prayer. So um, 
it will be one of those many intern um, opportunities he will have been able to, you know, get up and do. It's just so great to see the different perspective um, of a grandfather, of a father, and of a son who's very much, you know, still connected college things that are going on. And I, I, it is so refreshing for me. I have a daughter in college. She talks about different things because I'm her dad. (laughs) It is so great to hear from somebody else's son, what's going on and how they are connecting to a whole new generation. So let me see if I can put us in breakout rooms here for about five minutes and uh, just pick one person to to share it with the group. And um, we'll, uh, we'll be right back. I'm sorry. I'll give you about five minutes. So you'll need to accept your admission to your breakout room. All right, we got a few people still left here. Okay, guys, own breakout room. You know, th- this is uh, this is different. I feel like I'm running a tea show. We've been doing this since March, right? Well, I correct. Well, and I'll I'll raise it. Process awful. If you're not involved. It, your connection, you felt you might have or whatever. Was that? A, I don't know. But those choirs, even that was because we were sitting out. In, Tom was a football field. You know, so no matter what it is, we're not just back in. That do life a lot more of the party. Let me thank you again, Doug, and making practical. Today today was definitely, we got a buddy. No, I thought this morning, anybody who's going to get up and, all right, I'm going to bring everybody back. Eric, was that a, was that a Yankee breakout? Because you got to talk off of that do anything. Well, sorry, you're saying you could hear from other breakouts? Say that again, Rusty. I didn't understand you. I said that must have been a Yankee breakout because you have to talk awful fast to get anything done in that one. <laughs> Sorry about that. I don't, I, they're still saying hello. Next time I'll, I'll go longer. Thank you for that. Well, um, just saying. <laughs> all right. Next time we'll go longer. Well, um, R- Rusty, did your group uh, have time to share their names and any of the prayer concerns? Yeah, we pounded on to Ethan since he's the our Bible study prayer warrior. Ethan, you want to share? Sure. Um, so are we going to do one big prayer, just sort of prayers from the individual groups? Or what are we? Uh, oh, first, we first, just report what our prayers are. Then you get to do one big prayer. for. <laughs> great, great. So um, Rusty and uh, Scott and I were in our breakout room together, and we wanted to pray for uh, uh, Rusty's friend Vince, who's in the hospital right now. Um, so let's send our prayers to him for, for comfort and healing. And also um, wanted to pray for uh, uh, more consistent work um, for Scott. Um, as you know, as, as we deal with COVID and everything, we talked a lot about the word normal. Um, so hopefully just move back to normal in, in that regard. All right. Who's uh, breakout room? Someone from the next breakout room. Sorry, I lost track. Of who. Joe, Joe um, this is, Go ahead. This, yeah, this is Stephen Quarter. Um, uh, yeah, we, we just had a, a brief conversation, and I think we spoke to the overall theme of uh, the challenges each generation faces and how, you know, they're, they're certainly different, but the, the challenge itself for everyone as they're a young person and growing into their 20s, you know, you, you face uh, a lot of the same <clears throat> uh, opportunities for growth. Um, we, we talked about, you know, Ethan and your generation really being the first one, <clears throat> excuse me, to grow up in a cell phone and digitally connected world, <clears throat> excuse me. And I think there's an opportunity, uh, and a, and a hunger, uh, for, for that generation. And Ethan can speak, you know, certainly more to this than I can, but for the, the message, uh, that, that Jesus brings and, and bringing that into a language and a, a format, if you will, that 
that makes sense for a younger generation, I think will be a real um, opportunity and challenge, you know, for, for, for all of us, but certainly something I know Ethan thinks about, but, um, but yeah, and anybody else from, from the group I was in want to mention anything, but we talked about that. Um, let me pick somebody from Joe Griffith's uh, breakout room. Yeah, well, Steve Cook and Scott and I were talking, and we just got prayers for Ethan and hoping the best. And uh, prayers for our, uh, all of us And during this politics and pandemic. We talked about that quite a bit and thinking about how that uh, they're really one and the same in this, in this day and age, I guess. But the uh, also all the folks in Roswell that had... Uh, um, damage during the storm. They're still cleaning up. I know Mary and I are, so hope the best for all of you guys on that regard, too. Thank you, Joe. Um, what uh, Somebody from, I think, Don McNew's group? We, <laughs> we just talked in general terms about, um, well, one thing, the style of the service Sunday morning, how we had a live service. Those watching online had a live service up until the sermon. And then it was a pre-recorded sermon. It kind of set us back for a moment. Couldn't quite figure out what was going on. We talked about having Ethan uh, perhaps speak to the CUC class as well. We think that was a tremendous opportunity for us. Well, love that. Well, um, are, were there any other breakout sessions that I missed? Hey, Eric, Kevin Barry here to report out. I was with Taylor Corals, and we had a nice discussion. And, and Taylor was really, you know, bright-eyed, bushy tail. After coming outside of Northside Hospital just yesterday, wow. he had his appendix removed, had pain in there, and had guidance to go in and get that checked out. And it was, they brought him right in. That was a quick turnaround. So certainly for continued health and recovery for Taylor. Um, and then just on a side note that he did share, you know, you have to pass in things, you know, whatever, for security. And his wedding band got misplaced. 50-year wedding band. Certainly hope the Lord finds that and brings that back to you, but that's it. Well, thanks so much. Well, I am so glad that we had a good turnout this morning and lots of, you know, real lives going on here. And it's so good to get connected, you know, uh, just to share what's going on. And, um, you know, we've got Advent. We got Thanksgiving and Advent. And what a, what a crazy year this. I'm looking forward to the greatest Advent ever because this year deserves it. And, um, Ethan, can you uh, close us out here with a word of prayer? Absolutely. Uh, dear God, we want to come to you this morning and thank you for an opportunity to gather both in person and remotely um, to gather in fellowship um, and hopefully glorify you, God. Um, God, we want to ask for healing and comfort for uh, Rusty's friend, Vince, uh, for Taylor following his surgery. Um, God, uh, thank you for... Um, all the opportunities that we have to grow closer to you, um, to get to know you more. Um, and we want to ask for um, comfort and strength during these difficult times, uh, whether it's uh, difficulty financially, uh, professionally, uh, and, and all the other ways that, that some of us are, are struggling right now. God, help us to know that you've got your hand on us through all of this. And finally, God, we want to ask you to uh, put your hand on this country, um, put your hand on each individual that is, um, that is in pain right now. That's in, that's in worry, uh, anxiety, um, help us to know that uh, no matter the outcome of the election or what happens politically in this country, um, help us to always know and remember that our faith and our hope is in you, not in any one person, 
Um, but we know that our, that our hope is in you, God. So help us to remember that um, and to go out into the world with your message, to love all those around us um, and to uh, be, be a good example uh, of your son uh, every day. In your name, we, uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, gentlemen. Glad you could be here. Thanks so much. Everybody have a great day. Thank, Thank you, guys. You all. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.